0: This is an Irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Welcome back to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Kevin Garcia. They are returning to the show. I had Kevin on. (laughs) I had Kevin on uh, way back at the beginning of the show, somewhere within the first like ten or fifteen episodes. Yeah, we uh, were.
1: We go way, way back, don't we? That's right.
0: Back when we were baby podcasters.
1: So (laughs) back, back, back again. (laughs) And guess what? Nothing's changed. Now we're just baby Yoda podcasters.
0: (laughs) That's right. Update those references. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys, well, Kevin, have to look! I'm 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 keeping up with the kids, watching the Disney Plus.
0: That's right, that's right. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. I'm really excited to talk to you about where you've been since then. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, that's sort of where I wanted to start is really just talk about how things have changed for you over the last couple of years. You've gone into all sorts of things. You've started doing YouTube stuff. You've continued your, your podcast work. You've also done a queer adventure camp, all these different things. I'm not exactly sure where to start. One of the things that you've got in the bag coming up is a book called Bad Theology Kills. And really the the main thing I want to talk to you about is really how sort of your spiritual practices have changed over the last mm. couple of years and yeah. sort of your understanding of that. So let's go back to sort of where where we talked last a couple of years ago mm-hmm. you had sort of reconciled your sexuality and your faith and you were sort mm-hmm. of on that journey where is that ta- where is that journey taking you since then
1: yeah I was just thinking back because like I remember like I was talking about I was so I was so kind of like given my testimony a lot of the time yeah I think I thought I was I just kept talking about um how free I felt. And then I think I was smacked directly in the face with like all of the hard things like, okay, I have to find a job. I have to find a place to live. I have to find uh, these things. I want to keep talking about this, but this isn't paying the bills right now. Um, God, I think I was working for a nonprofit at the time and going all over the country like to different pride festivals. Yeah, so since we last talked, I've been, I've managed a restaurant uh, I got back into my yoga practice. Um, my dad died. I had a really serious relationship that also fell apart. Um, I decided to go to seminary, and I'm finishing up my Master's of Arts in Practical Theology with an emphasis on worship, preaching, and the arts. That's the full name of a degree. Why is it so many words? <laughs> um, I don't know.
0: How's that going to fit on the diploma? <laughs>
1: I know. Just like <laughs> it's really just a, an MA. Um, or MAPT is like what the, it would be in my, the letters right. in my name, Gotcha. which I also found out, like, as I began this degree that apparently like practical theology is like the black sheep of like the theological, like academic discourse. And I'm like, you know what? I would pick the underdog field. It sounds good. <laughs> you Let's know what? go.
0: That matters to just the people in that, that weird subset or subculture of folks that have those degrees and yeah. you know, that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah it was it's really interesting i was really convinced when i started school that i was going to be a pastor like in the classical sense of the word mm-hmm. oh my gosh hold on one second rupaul started playing in the other room and <laughs> i need to pause it so i don't miss it oh, sorry. sorry you can edit this in post if you want to or you can laugh about it like me. i don't know if you can hear any of that
0: i can hear you yeah that's good
1: okay cool
0: you were saying that you uh thought that you were going to be a pastor in a classical sense
1: yeah i thought i was going to be a pastor in a classical sense when i came to school and it was like over the course of doing all of these different kinds of conversations with uh you know i was i was taking all of these like pastoral care classes and i was like i already know how to do this like i was like quite bored. It's just like, Oh, you have to listen to people. You have to empathize with them. You need to make sure not to cross certain boundaries. I'm just like, where did y'all grow up? Like, is this like, has, <laughs> is this a problem in the Presbyterian <laughs> church or something? Um, Cause I will say like, this is maybe just a product of like, you know, I, I lucked out, but like, you know, my church culture growing up taught me how to love people well. And so I've always known how to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I think my fraternity taught me, what it is to like, you know, be loyal to people you call family, um, even you know when they don't look like you. So like I I I feel like I got all these new and different lessons and on it. Now that I'm on the other side of it, it's like I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make the whole internet internet thing work slash writing a book and trying to, you know, get that out there. But I was um, I think something that struck me the other day about the book that I was like, I was kind of worried and I was like, well, what if it doesn't sell? I'm just like, well, if it doesn't sell, like I didn't lose any money on it at least because I I don't really care about making money. That's the thing Mm. is that like I was at one point very concerned about like getting a publishing deal and like making sure I go like the traditional route of publishing because people are going to look down on you if you publish your own book. And I'm like, if people look down on me because I published my own book, like that's really snobby. Mm. And it's also like, somewhat, I don't want to say classist, but it's like very gatekeeper-ish. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause like I know plenty of people who have gotten book deals, published books that aren't good. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I know my book is fire. Um, and it's been ver that's verified by multiple humans. And so it's like, shoot, if it's good, it'll sell or it won't. And you know, either way I'm happy. Right. Cause I did the thing.
0: That's right. And that's, so
1: that's what I'm, so that's a
0: victory proud. right there that you did it.
1: Yes. It's out <laughs> of my brain. And now I can move on to the other things I want to write about. Right. But yep. we're not here to talk about those things yet. We have to talk about this thing, right? That's right. right. So let's
0: talk about that. Let's talk about you have a book. It's called Bad Theology Kills, and I want to talk about the title. I think that's I think that's something that that resonates. Uh, I've got a shirt with that with that phrase on it. Hey, that, yo. I, that, <laughs> that I got from you. And I mean it's very succinct and it's very uh punchy and i but i want to i want to know how how you understand that and and the the way in which when mm. you use that phrase what right. is it about about that phrase bad theology kills that that you want to communicate
1: mm. well it's it's one of those things where a i want to be like i said what i said you know that's like the thing i'm i i think people like really want like a I don't know, like a deeper, something deeper than that. But like the thing about the issue is it's not that deep. It's like bad theology is killing, bad theology is killing people. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have this passage in the first, uh, in the second chapter, I think, where I, what do you ever do one of those things where like you go back and you read something you wrote and you said, Holy fuck, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was my reaction to this passage. I was like, I don't know who I was channeling in this moment, but thank you. Uh, thank you, Diane Sawyer. I just feel like she was with me in that (laughs) moment. Um, but the, the passage was like, um, why am I telling you my big gay sob story? Um, right now in the beginning of this book that we're supposed to be unpacking theology. I said, I'm telling you my story because a lot of people did not survive to tell theirs. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I say bad theology kills, I mean that I tried to kill myself twice. When I say bad theology kills, I mean that I still have days when I think about it. When I say bad theology kills, I mean that trans women are getting killed and nobody's talking about it. When I say bad theology kills, I mean that we have nine years to fix the climate, shit happening or we're all going to die. When I say bad theology kills, I mean that people care more about one cell in a woman's body than about the woman who got raped. When I say that Bad Theology Kills, I mean that there is an entire government bought by the gun industry and they care more about their short term profits than they do the lives of our babies who are getting slaughtered in elementary schools and in high schools and at gay bars and at concerts. You know, when I say Bad Theology Kills, I mean that Leah Alcorn stepped in front of a bus because her parents wouldn't use her name. And so when I I say Bad Theology Kills, I mean that uh, Trayvon Martin was shot and no one did shit about it. You know, when I say Bad Theology Kills, I mean that, like, I have black friends who are scared to walk in public or do anything because you can be in your own damn home and a police officer can walk in and shoot you and say, I didn't know it wasn't my apartment. You know, it's. When I say Batheology kills, I mean, there's there's babies in cages at the southern border. Like, when I say Batheology kills, I mean, I mean, it's killing all of us. You know, it's killing, you know, poor whites. It's killing poor blacks. It's killing native people. It's killing all of us. And it's one of those things that's like, we have to like, see, like, we have to stop playing along with a charade. And the reason, like, I'm telling these stories, like, my story and then also giving people a way to rework their own hermeneutics in order to, like, liberate themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, (sighs) I'm just really ready for, like, a spiritual revival of sorts. And I don't mean that in, like, the old school, like, I want everyone to love Jesus sense. I mean, in the sense that we can see the world as it actually is. And not for what we what we long we, we thought it was or what we wish it could be, because once we can see what it actually is, you know, to see that the emperor is naked, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I knew what that that that's that phrase meant, but I had never heard the full story until very recently. Do you know it?
0: Oh, and you mean about the, the child being the one that notices? Is that, yes. Yeah. And the yeah. whole
1: thing is just like everyone was playing along so they wouldn't offend the person in power.
0: But then the and child, I'm like, that's what right. Then the child tells the truth.
1: Yes, and and then the the, and then the emperor is embarrassed, mm-hmm. and takes it out on everybody else. Right, and it's like, oh my goodness, what would happen if we just all realized the emperor has been naked this whole time? Hmm. Um, and and also just like, I'm like, uh, I just I have this big thing about just like I want to tell. It's time for us to tell the truth about everything to everyone. Mhm. Including the fact that we're already forgiven. Ugh. Yeah,
0: and that's how you that's how you begin your book is mm-hmm. from the very beginning you you say you're already forgiven. Mhm. Sometimes, like, the very sorts of things that we're supposed to sustain us, the things that mm-hmm. we're taught to sustain us, yeah. you know, once we learn about them, once we, you know, the common languages, once we deconstruct them and all that sort of thing, and that those sorts of practices can sort of just become, like, ash in your mouth, you know, and no longer yeah. no yeah. longer be the thing that um, that really resonates or, or f- feeds you anymore. Mm-hmm what would you say to someone that like that that style that type that mm-hmm. that language that hurts me now like yeah. where where did they go like what mm-hmm. how do you encourage them
1: yeah i think it's um i think for the person who struggles around things like just using christian language or spiritual language or things that just doesn't harm them i I would say like your herd is still valid, obviously. Um, and I think that like, for me, it's like Jesus, like God, the concept of God can, the here's, here's my thing. Is it like, I get that people change, like need to change language. And I, I think that like my language is like, I feel like I'm translating a little bit. Um, Like Mm -hmm. what my role feels like is like I want to help people get from simply just Christian jargon into kind of like a more universal way of talking about things. But the majority of us don't know what the pathway to that is. And I think we don't know the pathway because we don't feel like we have permission. Um, And what I mean by that is like the permission to like look at something that was once harmful towards us and say the past no longer can touch me the way that this was used to abuse me is no longer a threat to me and I can choose to, uh, forgive, not only, uh, not for the sake of the person on the other side, but forgiveness for me is like, I don't want to like, I no longer want the past to be different than what it was. It's like, I now understand like, you know, it's, it had happened, but it can no longer touch me. And so I, it's, that to me like was a big freeing moment. It's, it's almost just like, it's like God, I don't want to be a Christian, and I, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And then like I feel like I had this realization, like Kevin, you don't have to be a Christian. Like you literally, you don't have to have that label.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I got really, really down on myself, and just like, but I, I don't want to give it up. Like I, I, like because like in some ways I still am, in other ways I'm not, and like. Then like there was that beautiful uh, thing that Jesus said, just like, well, who do you say that I am? And I don't know. It was almost just like when I no longer needed to be a Christian. Like I just realized, like, oh, that's not the point. Like the label isn't the point. The language isn't the point. Um, Mm -hmm. So for Mm -hmm. me, it was like I realized for a long time it was super triggering for me, and I didn't want to talk about Jesus, and I didn't want to use the concepts that I grew up in within Christianity. Um, but right now it's the language that really works for me. And I think for people who like come from a tradition like this, it's, it's, we don't have a, I don't think there's like a new base language yet that we have established. So it's like, we're still finding language. Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense because at the same time, like if people are weirded out by me specifically talking about Jesus, I'm like okay, I'm sorry that you, I, I mean, I'm not really sorry because like I really love Jesus and I don't know. I know that sounds weird still, even for me to say that I don't even know what it means to say that I love Jesus, but I do. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the thing about language is that like once the symbols sort of seep in or, or soak into yourself, then it's hard to extricate them. Like they're, yeah. they're sort of there and you have to reckon with them one way or another.
1: Well, and that's the thing. It's just like, I want, I think that's part of the thing is that like we do have all of this baggage and this pain around what the church has done to us. Mm -hmm. And with good reason, like there's so many reasons to stay away from it. And I think there's, um, I, there's something that I've been toying with this idea of just like the reason we are still so angry at the church in so many, and I'm going to actually, you know, let me speak for myself and maybe this will resonate with someone. The reason I think that I, I'm still angry at the church sometimes like it's nowhere near as bad as it was because like the anger consumed me and it was like I had this horrible traumatic thing happen to me and there is no justice. And that's like really what's what's hard. Um, but the thing I realized was like um, something I'm going to out myself right now. I read A Course in Miracles and I fucking love it. And no Marion Williamson did not fucking write A Course in Miracles, y'all. It was a woman in the eighties. Okay. (laughs) Um, anyways, uh, all that to say, a course in miracles says that anytime, uh, we perceive an attack from someone, it's truly us being defensive of something that no, that does not need defense. Um, Mm -hmm. and so speaking that, like when they're always like a course in miracles is always talking from the perspective of like, our highest self the one that is connected to god at all times and so i am like you know what that idea is hard for me but i want to try it on just to see what it would feel like for me to say i don't need to defend myself anymore against this thing um because like i don't need defense like like i'm I'm okay i'm here like and it really caused me to to ask myself was like okay like if Everything. Every time I'm angry at something, or I see something in, out in the world, I can only see it because it's present within me. And so, therefore, the hypothesis becomes: if I'm angry with the church, there is a part of me that I'm angry with myself. And so I sat with that a little bit, and I said, okay, why am that? I swear this is all coming back around to a point. I'm not just blathering.
0: <laughs> no, I'm 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 tracking. It's it's totally you're good.
1: Cool. Um. So I tried this idea on. And I was like, okay, like, what am I mad at myself for? And I was like, I'm mad at myself for so much. I'm just like, it was mostly like, there was a while I was just like, God, why did I give myself to something so stupid? Like, why wasn't I smarter? Why couldn't I see the signs before? Why didn't I do something different? You know, why couldn't I come out when I was 16? Why couldn't I come out when I was 21? Why did I go become a missionary? Why did I do all these stupid things? I was deceived. I feel dumb. I feel hurt. And so that, like, I got to this point, I was like, oh, like, Kevin, you need to forgive yourself for the thing that you think that you did. Because it's not your fault, Kevin. Like, you really were manipulated. You grew up in a culture that told you that there was only one way to love God and that there was only one way to be in the world. And so, of course, you did that. You couldn't have done anything different. You were doing the best you could. And that guess what? You're not there anymore. So why are you so mad at yourself? Because think of all the things you could be doing if you were stuck there. Now think of all the things you can do now because you are here. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it just got me thinking. And I literally had this visualization for myself where I sat across from myself and I kept saying, like, you were forgiven. And it just, like, clicked with me. I'm like, oh, this is what he was talking about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so this, and so I say all that to say this. I think that there is an opportunity for so many of us to forgive ourselves for the things that we think that we did. And that, I think, can break so many of our shame cycles that we keep spinning back into. And just like, y'all, like, it's not our fault. Like, really, it's not our fault. It's like that scene in Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. You know what I'm saying, right? Do you know what I'm referring to?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, it's very powerful when he just Ugh. keeps insisting it's not your not fault. Right.
1: And I think that we need to, I think we need a, a big dose of that because once we do that, once we get past like for you know the queer folks in the community, just like once we get past like it's okay to be gay, mm-hmm. we can start thinking about everything else, and that's really what excites me.
0: I've also been in a similar space of like, okay, like, do you, fe- do you need to feel obligated to stay angry? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Like there's that, that fire needs to burn and it needs to, and mm-hmm. needs to sort of be tamped out in some way, but it's not, but I think, I think sometimes we replace our faith, like what we thought of as our faith with like a, with this mm-hmm. obligation to stay angry and like yes. sort of keep that vindictiveness um, mm-hmm. when when that doesn't that doesn't really serve you or the people you're trying to convince to to leave. yeah
1: yeah and it's it's one of those things um, it re- very recently I kind of just came to this conclusion that I'm no like I as much as I want the church to change I am not holding my breath and I'm no longer giving my energy to that end. Like, I think my work in the world now is to create new spaces and new kinds of communities, um, you know, new kinds of spiritual connections and communities so that people can start healing themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really what I'm interested in, because I keep looking at like the system that is the church. And I'm like, you know, there are some really amazing churches out there that are doing really great work. Sure. And I just don't care to be a part of them anymore. And that's fun, Like, And I say that with the caveat that I go to a queer black Baptist church in Atlanta. Like, so go figure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not really interested in like reforming these mega churches. You know, we can shake our fists at Bethel, but like they're going to be trash until like the world burns. So <laughs> it's like rather than like, and, and this is another thing too, is like when we give, we're not giving someone the power to make us angry. People just make us angry. Sure. But also it's just that like me staying angry is investing my power into this other thing, this object, this person to say that you have control over my happiness. Like if you would just like accept me, then I know that like things would be better in the world. And that's like, that's not the thing that's going to make me happy. I'm just like, I can be happy right now because I don't fucking need you anymore. That's that's if I could say anything in bad theology kills, that's my battle cry Mm -hmm. is like, bitch, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, th- I, and that's the thing too. It's like, I think like the church taught us how to be codependent, mm-hmm. like high key, like people we're codependent on churches. And so even like after we've broken up with the churches, we're still checking on what they are doing. we're still figuring out what they're like, you know, how, which ways they fucking up so that we can say, oh yeah, I'm so glad I got out of that. But sure. Yes, you did get out of that. But like, when are you going to stop obsessing?
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, right. Let me tell you what. There's better things to spend your brain's energy on. <laughs> Absolutely. Ooh, ain't you tired? <laughs> you know? That's me. I'm just like, y'all like, I'm t- I'm just like, like Kevin, why aren't you doing these things? And it like, I'm tired. And like, I really like want to like pay my bills. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those people don't want me. I'm like, why would I go, you know, it's like my mother is the only person who like I care about like making sure that she understands like why she believes what she does because like she gets the pass in my life. Cause she's my mom. Right. Um, everyone else. I'm just like, y'all do what you want. <laughs> but, like you're trash. Like stop killing people. You probably won't because you're trash. So, you know, when they finally get ejected from your communities, I'm going to have a soft place to land. Hmm. Um, it's like, I want to, it's like, I want to be a light in the, I want to be the light out in the desert. I'm just like, y'all leave the empire. It sucks. We've got beer. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, about this sort of thing we have with labels and how you've sort of, um, You've sort of found a way to to be not concerned with that just as you don't mm-hmm. you're no longer concerned with necessarily participation in an organized church mm-hmm. um you're also not really hung up on like whether you consider yourself a Christian or whether someone else considers you a christian um yeah. and I think that one of the things that we're conditioned to do in the sort of fundamentalist evangelical type backgrounds is that we're sort of primed to obsess over. Labels mm-hmm. and fitting yes. into some pre-configured, predestined category of some sort. We're always mm-hmm. sorting people into us versus them. It's it's a hard sort of mentality to shake yourself out of. Um, but that's one thing mm-hmm. that you explore in depth in in your book, which is this like when you gave that up, you found other ways to explore different types of spiritualities. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear how that was freeing for you and the different sorts of spiritual practices that you've been able to nurture.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Yeah. It, it harkens back to something I was saying earlier about the idea of who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, (laughs) um, if I say that I'm a Christian, but I do not do as Christ has commanded, am I a Christian? You know, it goes back to the thing of what, what does it mean to be a Christian? And the thing about it is, is like, if you're doing the thing, it doesn't matter if people call you something like you're doing the thing, you're fulfilling the law, like, you know, you're f- fulfilling the law of love, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it just got to this point of just like, all these people out here are going to obsess and say, you're not a fucking Christian because you're gay. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and would you like, to do you have anything else you'd like to say, Brenda? Or can like, <laughs> I get, can I go order my Popeye's chicken sandwich? You know? <laughs> Now, to the other part of the question about practices, and this is why people say I'm not a, I'm a Christian anymore, is because I'm also a witch and I'm fine with saying that. That's something that's changed since last time we talked. Mm-hmm. I'm a witch. <laughs> um, what I've been studying is like the magic, the magical traditions of my heritage, which is indigenous Mexican culture. So a lot of brujería So what I'm into, a lot of incorporation of working with the saints. Um, so like it folds really nicely, you know, into my Christian woo-woo-ness anyways. Um, I've been working with tarot for three years now and, um, I do it professionally. Like I, I read for people and I use it as a tool for spiritual direction as well as personal reflection. So it's just, it's beautiful. And it's like, for me, like the tarot is just like, it's holding up a mirror and asking if like, I always tell people, it's like, it's like everything with like religion, right? It's like at minimum, if these are simply just a set of cards that over years and years they've developed meaning and I have certain symbology, which like triggers certain questions in my mind that Mm -hmm. help me be more introspective and better. If that's all it is, it's just like an exercise in psychology. Fuck yeah, dude, that's awesome. But I will say, that when I read for people, a lot of people cry. So like and, you tell me yeah. what's going on.
0: <laughs> Indulge me in this because I, I'm, I've I'm, over the last few months, I've become more curious about it. So if you don't mind giving a, a couple minute primer sort of yeah. on on what tarot and sort of divination and all those sorts of things entail, because to me, it's, it's very yeah. sort of enticing and it's uh, I, I see it a lot more often than I than I have it. In the last few years, it seems like it's cropped up more. And obviously, because I follow you, like you mentioned it and that sort of thing. But even in a broader culture, it seems like it's receiving a bit more prevalence and attention than it than it did a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I've noticed it too. I think there's been there's a little bit of like uh, pop, pop magic or pop witchcraft that happens where like you see like all of these metaphysical shops popping up all over the place. And now there's questions about you know, cultural appropriation and like the ethics of, uh, you know, the ethics of metaphysics, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, you know, di- different magical objects that like, whether it's crystals from the ground or white sage that you're taking at an alarming rate where it's like, you know, causing it. It's like, Oh, guess what? Like we're depleting the entire earth's pop- like supply of white sage, which like, which is supposed like that belongs to the native people. You know, that's part of their tradition. And if you mm-hmm. don't come from a native background, that's not your magic, baby. Go find your people's magic. So I, again, working with them and and uh, certain other things. Anyways, where the question was about tarot, correct?
2: Right, tarot.
1: yeah. So tarot has its roots, like way back in Jewish mysticism. Um, and also in like early Christian mysticism as well, there's actually a beautiful book called Meditations on the Tarot. Um, And it's like all about Christian hermeticism and how like because within the tarot, there's two kinds of cards. It's the major arcana and the minor arcana and the major arcana tell the story of the fool's journey, which is the story of the hero. Every you know, every single one of us that goes through and not just like within like a full life cycle, but just within like the miniature cycles of our own lives, the seasons of our life. And so each of these cards has a specific meaning behind them. And sometimes it's like a, a broad plethora of meanings. And the reason some of them are so broad is because when you're pulling, uh, pulling some cards for someone, you're looking for both like, where are they positioned in the spread? What direction are they facing? Uh, What story are they telling together? And then also on top of that, using one's own intuition and like listening to one's body. And again, every single reader is different. So like I will, I will say again, this is uh, descriptive and not prescriptive. Um, when I sit down with people, I pull cards, I say, OK, well, what do you like av- after I go through like what the cards, quote unquote, say or what they are speaking to me or what I'm feeling in my person? I say, OK, now tell me what like I, from what we've talked about, what resonated with you? And then they'll say, well, this makes sense to me because X, Y and Z is like, OK, so they'll begin explaining things and then I'll start to say. That's interesting because that part of the story corresponds with this card in this way. Do you think blah, 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 blah. And so I'll ask a deeper question and then pull some more cards, explore the conversation deeper. So for me, like these are tools to like uh, just kind of intuit the questions that need to be asked so we can get to the answer we need.
2: Mm.
1: And usually my question that I anytime is just like, what do you want? It's like, in any given situation, what do you want? And so that's what I help people do.
0: That's great. That doesn't sound evil at all. Why, are they, no. why, why were you convinced it was evil?
1: <laughs> no, and that's the thing. It's just like, everyone's like, you do the tarot cards, you're going to open up a portal to the demons in your home. And I'm like, nah, that's <laughs> what happens when you play Bethel on Spotify. You know? <laughs> um, no, but that's the thing. It's like Everyone like warned me, it's like, no, you're inviting demons. I'm just like, no, I'm not. I'm specifically not inviting demons. In fact, I'm inviting the spirit of my father and my grandmother, you know, and, you know, of our sister Rachel and St. Teresa. I'm like, that's the people I'm entering into my space. Like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, do you really like, and this is again, like me probably being like real Christian a little bit. I'm just like, you do you think so little of God that you think that? God would allow even my dumb ass to be like taken advantage of by a quote unquote evil spirit. Like if, if God, if you're, if your God is weak enough to allow that to happen, then like pretty shitty God, if you ask me, like, get a new one. <laughs> Upgrade like over here on this, witch side, like, you know, we've got all sorts of things. And here's the thing is like, I'm still a universalist slash a humanist. Slash kind of still a Christian and also a witch. So like you tell me, but yeah, that's what my tarot practice. I do it every single day for myself. I read for people over Skype or in person. And then from that, sometimes people like from those things, uh, I'll say like, Hey, do you think that you'd be interested in coaching work? Like doing one-on-one spiritual direction? Cause some people I'm just like, yeah, like I feel like this could be a thing. Um, not all the time, and I don't use it as a recruiting tool. I'm like unless I always say, just like if you want to talk about it later, let's do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But it's been really cool because like now I've got like some of my clients like I'm we incorporating tarot into their work, into their own like sort of spiritual like learning new spiritual practices for themselves. Another one of my spiritual practices is just singing a lot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like whatever the hell I want because singing is good for you. And I feel like a lot of people like they they leave. Uh, church spaces and they stop singing.
0: Uh, yeah, that's very true. I mean, and some people enter back into church spaces that are harmful for them, like mm-hmm. just because they miss singing.
1: Because there's something about singing with people. I don't know what it is. Right. Let me tell you what. Wednesday nights, me and my friends go to this little dive bar in Avondale Estates and we sing karaoke for probably four. Four hours. We convinced the bartender to keep it open on Wednesdays late night. And so we could just sing karaoke. And like our karaoke is like our iPad linked up to a loudspeaker with a really shitty microphone. And we just have a ball. We go out there and we sing and we have fun. And like I started like we were like standing or like passing a joint around outside. And I was like, y'all, this is kind of like church. And then I was like, Kevin, it is church. And I said, Hmm. the sacrament of the Lord, and then I lit up and passed it around. (laughs) And so now when I go to karaoke, I always say like, all right, everyone, sacrament time. And we go outside and I bless it because I am the high priest. (laughs) Nice. Get it? You get it? (laughs) No one else can steal that. TM, trademarked.
0: (laughs) I won't won't press you on that.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Did I answer your question?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely did. So okay, I'm mean, good.
1: I feel like my, I feel like my ADD brain, no, like just walks me around in all the directions.
0: And that's totally fine. That's, that's, that's what I was hoping for, for this conversation was just to have this, this open-ended sort of conversation where we could, where we could catch up and talk about where yeah. you are now and, and, and just let it be what it is.
1: Yeah. I think those are the best things. Yeah. I am, I'm excited about the future for the first time in a long time. Like I'm actually really, really, really excited. Like it's like one of those things where like, yes, everything is so shitty, but also, like, I can't stop looking at the good things too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's they, there's definitely a lot of a lot of good happening in the world, and it's it's hard. You know, like I, I feel like we all went through the social media grinder and we learned not grinder the app but the <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know like the one that grinds things. the meat up.
0: grinder that destroyed the de- <laughs> that just anyways
1: <laughs> let me tell you we, what sometimes I mean, grinder is like a meat grinder it just and, destroys yeah. your heart your soul <laughs> your self-esteem sometimes your dick you never know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: I'm sorry that I threw you off it's with totally that one. Fine.
0: No, but I'm just, what I was going with that was just basically that there's a lot of good happening in the world and there's a lot of good that's, that's come out of the types of things that, that we've been involved in. And that's pro- I, I that's think progress. so too.
1: Like that is like, the thing was like, like let's think back to where we were four years ago. Right. Like I feel like all of us like have had to like, I don't know, like, I feel like we've all kind of gone through this, like, really intense season of maturation, like, mm-hmm. at an accelerated rate, mostly because, like, we've all, I think it's just, like, the sign of the times, like, you you can't unsee. It's like the curtain's been pulled back and we see that, like, it's just another white man running the show. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? And I think it's something that we've said, just, like, we've never done this before in some ways. And so that's why it's scary. This is, like, um... Another line from A Course in Miracles is that, like, I feel like there's there is the tendency to say, like, I don't want to do any sort of spiritual anything anymore because, like, the only thing that can happen is I'll get hurt again. And that is probably true, but that's going to be true anywhere you go. And I don't even think like spiritual community needs to be like a formalized, like, come together, sing songs to a deity or, you know, collective idea or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like karaoke. The people who I go sing karaoke with, I care about them and I love them. And we do birthdays together and we see each other and we're involved with each other's lives. And like some of us are Christian, most of us aren't. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, we don't need an organization anymore. We just need to be organized around the right things. That's what Brian McLaren said in the great spiritual migration. But I think he's right, is that. I don't even need to organize religion to be organized right, around the right things. I just think that people need to be organized around the right things, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like once you find that thing, like it becomes unstoppable. And this is the thing: is like people will say, "Just like it's not." I don't think it's possible. Or there's like I think it's possible for other people. It's possible for other people to find healing. It's po- possible for other people to find hope. It's possible for other people to get over their shame of whatever, but the thing is, like, the, like that—the illusion that it is for somebody else and not for you—is exactly that. It's an illusion.
2: Mm.
1: And mm. so, this is where, like, I get you know a little course in miracles. There is a line that shook me to my core, and it's this: it states plainly, "You do not have to believe anything that is not true, unless you choose to do so." For all that could be changed in a moment for it is merely a misperception. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe anything that's not true. And that's the thing. It's just like, we are told you have to believe this. And we're like, no, it's not true. Why do I have to believe it? The answer, you don't. And so you can argue with anything. And also you can make up anything like that, That like it's helpful. Like, because if it's helpful, it's probably true. Right. Right.
0: And so, to you, is that is that is that sort of the essence of what you would consider good theology?
1: In you know what, if you really want to boil it down to it, yeah, Mm -hmm. is it helpful? Is it is it help? Like it's the same. It's like, is it what's the fruit? You know, it's the same argument. We do all the things like, what fruit is it bearing? Is it good fruit? Sick. Let's stick with it. Well, that sounds like
0: that sounds like practical theology to me.
1: Thank you. I, uh, you can you to you can apply at ctsnet.org. dot <laughs> org. Columbia Theological. Center. No, just kidding. Don't come here. Just kidding. You can come here if you want to. <laughs> I'm leaving next year, so what do I care?
0: <laughs> that was a yes. That was a dad joke and a pun, but it was also a scathing critique of the consideration that that's the lowest degree. Come on now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't drag me in public like this i know
0: i'm no i'm saying the people that consider your degree the lowest degree what's that oh shit right i'm saying what what's, oh. i mean it's the it's the you're it's saying what's the, on their mind right it's the nuts and bolts it's
1: it's the yeah. shit
0: that matters
1: yeah and that's the thing It's just like practical theology is just like it's interested in how does this impact someone's life because like that's the thing is like there's all like these like Calvin has all of these institutes on Christianity and whatnot. And like, I'm sitting around in my theology class and like, we're talking about just like, you know, well, what is the Trinity? Well, you can't, I'm like, it's a mystery. <laughs> like, that's it. It's a mystery. We can say it's like a thousand different things. Cause we can only speak of God in metaphor. Can we please go do something? I'm like, we're wasting our time. Like I understand God more through Madeline Madeline Lengel than I ever did through C.S. Lewis and you can take that to the bank (laughs) As you can tell I'm very done with being in seminary. I'm so ready to just be a master and you know Get the fuck out of here
0: (laughs) Yeah Grad school is a slog for sure
1: (laughs) It's like it's a not undoable and i'm not saying like it was an unworthy endeavor but i tell you what like when i think about <laughs> what i could was like what else could i be doing right now and i'm like well being a missionary kind of fucked up my resume so i've got like no marketable skills right now so i guess this is the next best thing
0: <laughs> do you know that do you know that skit with uh Kristen wig from snl where she goes sorry <laughs> 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 yeah. that's yeah that's what popped my, that's what popped in my head with that
1: yeah that's, that is exactly what, what i want the response to be like mm-hmm. me too man me too.
0: go for it man
1: I think it's just a really, really good idea. A cat named, and then we'll call her Sadie for short, you know?
0: <laughs> and you can get one of those t-shirts I've seen online lately that says, Maybe Today, Satan.
1: Maybe Today. Maybe Today. Yeah. He <laughs> has made that the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe. Because,
0: because, you, because you requested it. I absolutely
1: Maybe. Will. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Maybe that's Today, really funny. Satan
0: with Kevin Garcia
1: maybe today <laughs> oh we're going to hell
0: you know that's what you named my episode of your show
1: i know i was doing i was being i'm not gonna lie i was being self-referential because we've been on the air long enough to reference ourselves that's right <laughs> why oh. do i keep doing that like the the this that's all folks jingle
0: <laughs> i don't know just roll with it man
1: <laughs> yeah i'm
0: not gonna
1: judge
0: a, a thing i realized today is Adding comma space man is my my new thing apparently. Even with chats with my friends, I'm like just just go with it, man. I always just add man man. to everything. (laughs) I don't know why.
1: I go go through phases where I call. um, I don't know, like I'll. I mostly call people friend, but sometimes, sometimes I say babe a lot. Mm -hmm. Um. Although it's very interesting, because like also say, hey girl, to anybody who like I talk to, even like my best guy friends, it's very interesting, like the people who don't want to be called girl are mostly like gay cis men. Like I feel like if I called you girl, you'd be like, hey, what's up? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever. I'm good. (laughs) Because like no one fucking cares. Because also it's because my question for like people like that is like, are you not comfortable with that? Because you have like this issue like a strong sense of your uh, gender and you're very proud of it for like you know example trans men of course i'm not i don't want to call a trans man hey girl because like obviously they worked hard to like become themselves right. uh but like for someone who's like i'm um... see that's the thing it's just like all right i want to know what what's behind that if it's like i'm strong in my gender identity and this is what i like to be called sure if it's because you think being called girl makes you weaker or demasculizes you or, or like makes you like less than cause someone called you girl. Mm-hmm. Like you need to like get over yourself, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So totally. that's my question. And I say that as like a gender queer person who floats in between things. So it's like, <sighs> gender is so frustrating sometimes.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think we've, we, we all like are, are far more sensitive than we used to be to, to gendered terms uh but then it is weird like the 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 sort of colloquialisms that are like guys me yeah, saying man I'm, you saying me you saying that. girl you know like like there is still a gender component there but it's also it, it's it's a um iffy spot in a language you know like we're, yeah. we're getting better about knowing it knowing what it means and, yeah. and not not harming people to whom it. yeah might affect, but other, you know, sometimes you just add "man" to the end of your sentences for no clear reason.
1: <laughs> because your body is just in the mood; she's gonna say something. And and that's another thing do too. It, is man. like at the end of the day, like if you say "don't call me that," of course I'm not gonna call you that. Like I'm gonna respect your wishes. And also, just like I'm, I'm just curious. I think there's just a question among the cis men. Do you have internalized, you know, misogyny that you need to work through, Betty, girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Someone's going to write a letter about this. And I'll be like, you're right. I'm a dick. <laughs> That's the thing. Okay, no. <laughs> but you don't I'm like thinking, me? <laughs> but you don't like me? Oh. <laughs> that is one thing I really like. I've gotten to this place where it's just like. I will always tell like I so I've got like these three rules of radical honesty um, that I have for my personal self. This is what I try to practice all the time. Um, And I'm happy to say that like most of the time I feel good that I keep these. Um, They are as follows. Number one, I'm always okay to name my feelings because I know that I am responsible for my feelings. Meaning to say, like, if I'm feeling hurt by something, I will express it to the person who hurt me. If I'm Mm -hmm. feeling sad, I feel okay to tell you that I'm sad. If I feel that I'm excited and joyful, like, I'm definitely going to share that. Like, I'm always okay to do that. And I I never put it on other people, but I do express it. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, um, I always name my needs. And I am responsible at the end of the day for getting those needs met. So, like, if I I can express my need to a friend, lover, uh, whoever, boss, I can express my need, but if like they can't give it to me, um, I either need to like recognize that it's not a need or I have to figure out a way to get it met myself because I, I need it. Um, whether that is like, I need to take a nap or, uh, I need space or, um, I need next week off. Like I have to express my needs because how the hell is anyone going to know what I need if I don't say it. Right. And three, I always ask for what I want because I'm always okay with hearing no. Um, And that one is a hard one because you're allowed to have hope, but like also you like, you have to detach from your outcomes um, Mm -hmm. whether it's in love or anything else.
0: Right. Yeah. But I think three, three solid rules there
1: you got. Yeah. It's just like, it's, basically tell the truth about everything to everyone. And my caveat is like, don't tell me if you're going to throw a surprise party for me. I love a surprise <laughs> party for me. Lie about that. <laughs> don't tell me the truth about that. Um, but if, but like, it's serious. Like, and like I was telling like the thing, one of the questions I have for all my clients was like, what like, well, why don't you do that? Or why don't you tell them that? Why can't you tell them that? Like, and it's one thing to like, you know, say that to like, You know, it's one of the people will say like, that sounds really, really hard. I'm like, it's not difficult. It's just different. And like, when you, when I started doing this, like people, like I could tell like who was like down for the ride for like a relationship with me and who wasn't Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because like, when I started getting really, really real about my trust with people, I'm just like, I trust you to be honest with me at all times. And if like, it's really, really hard for me. It's like, if you like, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but I'm not going to guarantee that I'm going to be around if you, you know, if you break a boundary, like if you break a boundary that we've discussed and you show no remorse of changing or like wanting to change. Hmm. <sighs> Cause it's one of those things at the end of the day, like when I love myself, I have the capacity to love everyone else so much better. And so that is going to be a priority. And like, if you like, I don't, and that's another thing. I don't have to be friends with everyone. That's a, that's a new thing, right? We don't have to be friends with everyone. Right. Yeah. And here's something else that gives me a lot of hope. I was talking with Mickey Scott Bay Jones the other day about all of my woes. And I was expressing to her like some conflict that we were having within our friendship group. And she said, Kevin, I want to let you know, reconciliation is hard work. And it will happen, but it doesn't have to happen today. Might not even happen this year. Might not even happen in two years. But if everyone keeps trying their best, eventually maybe reconciliation will happen. And so it got me to this point where just like, I don't need to be friends with every Tom, Dick, and Harry doing doing the work. You Mm -hmm. know, I can be supportive. I'm not going to talk shit about nobody. But I also like, I don't need to be besties with them. Right. And that feels really good. I feel like like church culture says like you have to be like, of have one accord with your brothers. And I'm like, well, we're not. And we want different things. So no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right. I can love people, but sometimes the best way for me to love them is to like let them go do their thing and let me do my thing.
0: Right. Yeah. And, then, and that doesn't necessarily need to have malice behind it. It's just that people are different. Yeah,
1: it's. Yeah, sure. it's it has, and the thing is, like, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like I want to feel good, and I like. It's like, is this like? Um, someone I met recently was talking about like the price of admission within relationships. It's like, in order to be in relationship with this person, it's going to cost me X because, or it's going to cost me some form of energy, because like that's just the nature of relationships. It's an exchange of energy. Um, And if this person is not giving me this energy in return that I need in order for this to be a healthy, beneficial, mutual, mutually beneficial relationship, I'm not going to invest into that. Right. Because like everyone's like, everyone's like expects you to do it. I'm just like, well, what if I actually just did me? And what if I actually like worked on forgiveness, not by continuously re-traumatizing myself, but by building a life that was better than the one I had before? That's what I'm interested in. Oh, that's what I want people to get to. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's like, let's start like, the, um, I can't remember who said it. There's um a black theologian who talked about the diseased, um, what did he say? The diseased social imagination of America. And basically what he said is like the reason like we can't imagine anything. Well, it's like, it's also supported by psychology the reason we can't imagine anything better for ourselves right now is because we're still in the middle of our trauma. Like, and until like we start doing the work of forgiving ourselves of what we think we did, like we'll never heal. Okay. But let me tell you what though, when you are willing, like willingness is everything it's just like your intent like this is another course in miracles thing it basically says like your intention doesn't mean anything your willingness is everything if you are willing to start rifling through your baggage, if you are willing to say i i want to let this go like it's it's almost just like once you're willing to do something it's you it's like magic happens it's like oh my god i'm doing the thing i thought i could never do because i was willing I don't
0: know if that makes any sense. No, no, it it definitely, it definitely resonates. And I mean, that's, that's sort of something that I, that's a word I always come back to is resonate, you know, like what you're saying hits me and like it, it vibrates, you know, (laughs) like, like -hmm. there's, there's, there's truth in that, that, that there is something about being open, open to the change and being ready to put that first step forward. Um, and I mean, it's not as if that is a trivial thing, you know, like right. that, that takes time to get there for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, and
1: like, and that, and, and I think that like that's, it's, it, it's a dual thing. It's just like, like, you're already there and this is your first step. Right. It's, it's that weird, it's a weird sort of paradox thing. I think like Pete Holmes was saying it on a couple of different podcasts. He's just like, I wish people could just see that they're already home,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I keep coming back to that thing. of just like, Oh, just like, come home. Like it, it's, it's like, it takes time to learn that your body is a home and that your body can be a home for you. And that it's not a, just a flesh prison. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it's the thing is like, it's not a flesh prison. Like it's not a prison. Like it's such, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. and that is something that I'm willing to to talk about for forever. <laughs> right. and I mean i w- I've been blessed with like a sunny disposition as well as Wolbutrin and Zoloft, and I have no problem being everyone's cheerleader, you know
0: <laughs> Right. I think that role suits you very well and like and it, and I always know you're genuine whenever you post something. Whenever you mm-hmm. put something up that is an encouragement to someone. I, I know that because I, I know you and I'm, I know we already talked about intention and how it's not everything. Mm-hmm. But I know that the intent behind what you're doing is mm-hmm. is to encourage people. And that is that's a wonderful thing. And I'm glad you're out there doing the things that you're doing.
1: I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Thank you. I received that. That's very kind. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm I'm so glad that you know these last few years have have been so mm-hmm. productive for you in the very good sense of that word, not like the capitalist yeah. hellscape of this. You know, like not just mm-hmm. like in a capitalist sort of. Yeah. You've done these things, and your years have been productive. It's that you've uh. you've produced again using that language of fruit, like you've. Mm-hmm found something and moved Mm -hmm. from something bad to something better to something good.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really the, the, the crux of it is like, I've been reading Starhawk's, um, the spiral dance and in it, they talk about the birth of the world from, um, from like an old religion perspective or the witch tradition. And she would say that the universe was not created, but it was born. And so from that, it's like this idea, I keep thinking about that, like how everything that like comes forth from within us is like, it's something that like, it's not necessarily creative, but it's like, it's born of us. And so it's almost like I can see it's, it's the same thing. It's just like, you know, like rather than saying producing for like, it's like, we grew this, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we've grown, we grew this thing together. And it's one of those things, just like any, any life is, is tended by many farmers, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's like everyone's had a hand, it, for good or for ill. You know, people are always coming by our vines and dressing them however they want to, if we want to use that language. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm such a fucking Christian, goddamn. <laughs> um, uh, but that's the thing is like, I, um, I believe you when you say that, because I see it as well. And I can't tell you how good it feels to say that, like mm-hmm. everything that it's so one of those things was just like, I grew up hearing that gay people like got AIDS and died. And while that is a that, you know, the AIDS epidemic is a huge part of our collective story. That is not the end of the story. And that is not the only story. And like I look at my life now, I couldn't. I wrote a book. And like I'm getting a master's, and you know, yeah, sure, I've got like a shit ton of debt, but like who doesn't, you know? Money's mm-hmm. not even real. <laughs> and plus like when the earth burns up in nine years, like we're all gonna get our student loans forgiven. So what's good? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that got dark real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I am nothing again that sunny disposition i have i'm just <laughs> i'm just a blessing <laughs> right. oh my god
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean absolutely just recognize where you've come from and where you are now and, mm-hmm. and take take pride in in that and that's that's wonderful i think you i think you should um I'm really glad that we were able to talk a little bit about your forthcoming yeah. your forthcoming book and, and where you how how you've changed over these past couple of years and just catch up on the air. It's been great. Yeah. I value you and I'm I'm really excited to see this next chapter for you. And uh where can people find y- you online? Where can they find your book? All those deets, just plug it all.
1: <laughs> right you can find me on the internet at the kevin garcia that's t-h-e kevin garcia.com i'm on most social media platforms at the kevin garcia if you google me i'm the first result i've worked very hard on that <laughs> <laughs> um yes. you can check out my new book bad theology kills subtitle undoing toxic belief and re was it undoing toxic belief and reclaiming your spiritual authority yeah reclaiming your spiritual authority i really need to get that down like I a better sales <laughs> i just like get jumbled in the words because dyslexia is real um and it's actually gonna be coming out end of january we're pushing back the um release date because um our dear friend mike mccarg is going to be writing the forward to my book oh
0: wow congratulations that's i
1: great. am so thrilled i got to spend thanksgiving with him it was so lovely
0: oh that's awesome that's great
1: and let me but the thing was, it wasn't even fucking warm. I went to California to be warm and it was cold. <laughs> so, fuck you, L.A. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, my podcast, A Tiny Revolution, is going to be back January 2020 um, as we jump into the first question I want to explore, which is what is masculinity? And we're going to be talking about it from like 20 different perspectives. Oh, um, wow. That'll be very interesting oh my gosh, I'm really, really, ex- and, and not just masculinity, but also like what is queer masculinity? And also like, what is, you know, in a world where like we, we know what toxic masculinity looks like and we can point it out, what, where are the examples of healthy, good masculinity coming from?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think exploring that from my own perspective as a gender queer person is going to be really fun. Um, talking with trans men, talking with trans women, talking with women, talking with everyone. So, those interviews are happening right now. And I'm going to edit it together a little bit more like uh, less of an interview style and more like a serial docu style, mm-hmm. which I'm excited for. I've never tried this before.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting.
1: Um, what else? Um, if you want to book a tarot reading, you can do that on my website too. Uh, if you want to pre order the book, you can do it at slash book. And if you want to send me a love letter, um, you know, I'm not, I don't want that. So please don't. (laughs) No, someone, someone suggested, do you have a PO box? And I'm just like, technically speaking, yes, but also I feel like that'd be overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, You know, drop me a line on the Twitterverse. Like, I'm very – I try to get – I try to interact with as many people as possible. Give me a shot on the gram. I'm very active there. You know, and then also in the comments below, tell me what I could fix about my face surgically. You know? Oh, my God. (laughs) What? Exactly. Listen, I want to know. When I get (laughs) rich, I'm going to, like, redo my face. And you're not even going to recognize me because I'm going to be so beautiful. What? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I'm just <laughs> talking out of my ass now because I am having a good time. What?
0: Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you I'm for just having me. I'm
1: crack up. <laughs> like, hey, everyone, remember, like, also, I want to say before we hang up, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time and you have not become a Patreon supporter... On Exvangelical, here's the tea, y'all. We cannot do it without you. And here's and I just want to say this for any sort of creative out there that you're listening to, it is so important that we support the things that are do like are making the things that matter. So please, if you haven't, go over to Blake's fucking Exvangelical podcast Patreon, pledge five dollars a month because you know you have it. And by the way, like, it's only basically above $5 a month that anyone makes any money off of Patreon um, after fees. So do that. And I love you. (laughs) Thank you. And also, I love you, Blake. You're such a beautiful human.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. I I have a hard time receiving compliments, and I received that. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Very much. My mama always told me when someone's giving you a compliment, you just say thank you because it's got nothing to do with you anyways.
0: (laughs) Well thank you Kevin and thank you very for, for coming on the, Thank you for coming on the show My pleasure
1: oh man loved it.